Well, I'm recovering from Camp Poji. It's Pops, that's what the kids call me, and Gigi. So we mixed the two together a couple years ago and made Camp Poji. And we get our kids for a week, and usually I'm exhausted. I have to go to the doctor after the week's over. Um, and that's where I am today. So I um, uh, went to the doctor, but the eye doctor this week. And so my eyes felt like they're looking this big at you. So if I do something weird with my eyes or reading, just forgive me. I'm, I've got some kind of drops in them that's making them feel like they're that big. So this week, have, how many of you ever been to Eudora Farms? This is, this is not a commission speech for them, but raise your hand if you've been to Eudora Farms. All right, better yet, raise your hands if you have not been to Eudora Farms. Let me just tell you something. If you want to play a practical joke on somebody and get the best of them, pay $30 for a carload and go to Eudora Farms. It is, I got some of the funniest video on the planet. My granddaughter wanted to feed the, uh, everything and go in there. Ostrich comes running at us and sticks his head in the car. A scream you've never believed. I was going to show it this morning on church, but I didn't have permission from her parents. My wife, Wendy, just say this to Wendy when she gets back. And she's, she took the grandkids home, and today Alex is actually being introduced to his church as uh, the uh, assistant recreational minister, but also the minister of college at Taylor's First Baptist. So we're excited for Alex this morning, and, uh, uh, and we can thank God for that. He had a ministry here as well. And so, but uh, Wendy, her, her thing was she crawled over into the driver's seat screaming, I'm done. I'm done, Clint Smith. Get me out of this place. And we still had a couple miles to go. Longhorn sheep, uh, uh, Watusi cows. I don't know how they get all those animals there. But hilarious. If you want to play a practical joker, you just want to just laugh your guts out. Take a carload of people who had a little bit of timidity to Eudora Farms, roll the windows down and lock them. <laughs> and, get put, and then dump the food in the seat in the back. Because the, the animals are trained for the food, so it's so much fun this week. It was a capstone of Camp Poja this week, so... It's, wor it's worth the drive. That's a plug for, for Eudora Farms. And it's very nice. It's nicely done. So, But it will freak you completely out if you go in there not expecting. I mean, I was a little nervous about the ostrich myself because they, they come all the way in the car. So what that's worth. That's not persecution or anything. It has nothing to do with nothing besides me just to tell you. It was hilarious this week. So do it. If you want to go with me, listen, we'll go. I'll take you a car load. If you're a little bit timid, I'd love to take you out there and lock the windows open. And we almost took McKenzie's Jeep with no top on it out there. Thank God I didn't make that decision. So anyway, let's get into the word today. The Lord has something to say to us. It's, uh, it's revealing of the heart of Jesus. Remember, we read in 1 John that God is what? God is love and God is light. But he, everything that he gives to us, he gives it to us from love. Even his commands are commands of love. Even the ones, the restrictions are restrictions of love. And so many times we, especially when we go through and as young, say, I just want to do my own thing. And then when I get older, I'll do something for the Lord. Right? Anybody ever said that? Raise your hand. Anybody else think that's stupid? Raise your hand. It is. God thinks it's stupid. Because he knows your death date, right? He knew your birth date and he knows your death date. And what if your death date comes before you make that plan? What if today is the day that you die. What if today is the day that God calls you to your permanent residency, if you will? Because you're only going to spend one place, heaven or hell. And there's no way to get to heaven except through Jesus Christ. So when we read these Beatitudes, we see, we see that these are people who have left everything. They've abandoned everything to follow Jesus. And he tells them, blessed are you when? And he gives an explanation of, of the blessing that's promised. So let's read together, if we would. Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read all the Beatitudes today together. 
beginning of verse 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up onto a mountain, and when he was seated his, uh, with his disciples, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me, let me actually, let me read the blessing and you read the response. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you, false for my name's sake. And let me finish. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, there's a lot there. Those last couple of verses tie us up into a lot of thought. We must, we must give thought to what the Lord's saying because, yes, we want the blessings of God, right? You'd be a fool to say, no, I don't care about the blessings of Jesus or of God. That's a foolish statement. We must receive these, I will call them qualified blessings. How are they qualified? They're qualified that you must be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You must be a born-again, blood-bought saint of God for these blessings to be enacted. You can't get the premise, right? You got the premise right. You get the promise right. Everybody understand? If, then. This is the statements. Look at your notes, if you would. Since mankind has been on the planet, there have been those who chose righteousness and likewise those who chose unrighteousness. In this room right here today, look around. Look around. There are those of you who choose righteousness and there's those of you who choose unrighteousness. God's not happy with those who choose the unrighteous way. As a matter of fact, you're going to actually reap what you sow. The Bible says, be careful, O man. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow is what you'll reap. You say, well, not me. I'm too whatever. Fill in the blank. Whatever you sow, say it back to me, church, that will you reap. You sow to the flesh, you're going to reap all the sorry things that come with sowing to the flesh. You sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap all the rewarding things that come from the Spirit. This is truth from the Word of God. The Holy Scriptures teach us God never changes. Isn't that true? Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You can't outrun that. Humans change, right? We'll flip-flop in a moment. Look at our political leaders. Look at pastors. Look at churches' stances on homosexuality. Look at churches' stances on different things of, of, of who even is in leadership of churches. We have conversations weekly, it seems like, people that are wanting to come to our school. We meet with the parents. We meet with the grandparents. We meet with the guardians, and we, we try to have a conversation of, hey, we want you to understand that we're a Christian school first. And we want you to understand we're a Christian private school, meaning the public can't just come in just because you want to. We're very clear that we're Christian first, not Baptist first, not any other denomination. We're Christian first, and we have Christian standards we require our parents to actually adhere to, and our grandparents or guardians, whomever it might be. We've had people that were Hindu background to come to our school. Can they come to our school? It's your school, if you remember. Can they come to your school? Why? That sounds so narrow-minded. Well, it is narrow-minded. Jesus said narrow is the way that leads to heaven, right? We had a Hindu say, well, we'll just take Jesus as well as one of our gods. I said, that's not how it works. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
We've had some from the Mormon background come and say, we want our kids to be in this school. And we've had to say, these are professionals. These, these are folks who come in and we're very serious. And we had to say, listen, we believe Mormonism or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints compared to historical Christianity is an occult. You imagine sitting across from somebody that you're hoping to get your kid into their school and they call your religion an occult. Is Mormonism, is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints a cult? The answer is yes. And some people will say, well, my neighbor's Mormons and they're good quality people. They're still sinful beings in need of a Savior. Not the Jesus Christ of Joseph Smith, but the Jesus Christ of the Bible. Muslims believe in Jesus. They believe he's a great prophet. They like Jesus. They believe he's going to be the great imam in the future. But if you're a Muslim and have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, all Muslims are going to hell. Does that offend you today? Somebody's going to watch this by Facebook. We'll get an ugly note. I'm, not, I'm only saying what Jesus says. There is but one way. I don't care if you're white, black, Hispanic, Asian. I don't care what your background is, what your future is, what your past is. There is but one way to Jesus Christ, right, to, to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. That's offensive in the 21st century in our politically correct situation. We say, Pastor, don't say those words because people will associate me with that church. And then at my workplace, they'll ask me, well, what do you think? And can I hope to tell you that I hope that you take the word of God and say, this is what I think. We talked about this morning in Bible study and Catalyst. Any subject that's out there, any subject that's out there, you can take that subject, place it into the scripture, say, what does the scripture say about that situation? Did you know that? Uh, the race relations today. What does the scripture say about race? Who's your grandpa, right? That's what I always ask everybody that has an argument. Who's your great, 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 way back grandpa? Who's your first grandpa? Do you know? His name is Adam. I happen to know your grandpa. And I happen to know your grandma. Her name is Eve. Guess what? That's my grandpa, and that's my grandma as well. So there is no different races there's ethnicities or backgrounds, right? Ethnicities this morning. I can't even say words. My mouth is dry with this medicine. There's, well, listen, we're all the same race. What's up, cuz, right? Amen? Look around. Try it. Just try it. Look to somebody to your left and right. Just say, what's up, cuz? Isn't it amazing to think about? We can break those barriers because of God, of God's holy word. We can take any issue that... CNN, Fox News wants to put on, we can place it right here in Scripture and say, what does Scripture say about that? I don't care what Hannity says or Don Lemon or whoever else you might want to pick. Take the word or the issue and put it against Scripture. What does God say about the Scripture? Once we find out what God says, it's settled. Whether you believe it or not, the old people you went I'm from say, don't make a hill of beans. Beans are getting expensive today, but so that, that, that don't hold saying anymore. But the God's word speaks on every issue in our life. Today we see God's keeping power throughout the believer's life. Does anybody know anyone that's having a major, whether it be cancer, heart disease, any trauma in their life, and, they, and you talk to them and you want to pray for them and say, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. And they say, yeah, but God is good. You know anybody like that? There's only but one way that we can actually keep on keeping on like that, and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to ask the Father to send you whom? The Comforter. The Holy Spirit comforts you in your times of trouble. You think God had a plan? Do you think God knew how the world would be in 2021, 2022, in the future? Does God know? The answer is 
Only God does know. And he's written about it in his word. Let's get to our notes. Jesus promised his disciples, blessings are for those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. That is a here and now promise. That's a here and now. So when you go through persecution, if you're going through persecution because you caused the problem, that's on you. There's no promise. There's no protection. That's just on you. If you do it because you're being dumb, that's on you. Does everybody understand that? If I do it, it's on me. But if I'm speaking on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, if I'm living in righteousness, I'm making decisions, and I'm, even when I get angry, right, and sin not, is that possible? The Bible says so. If I do it in a righteous way, there's righteous indignation. That killing babies should make you angry. Is that true? And we just saw that the house this week, uh, actually, matter of fact, it's in the news today, passed and tried to take out the Hyde Amendment and all the former amendments that actually would protect from federal money being spent for abortions. They want free and open abortions across the United States in our federal prisons and around the world now where we have military installations. That's always been protected against uh, our taxpayers going to that. But not now. It just changed this week. Does that bother anybody? Makes me red hot around the collar. Makes me want to fire up and go do something. But what is my something I have to do? I pray to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. That's not a minimized thing. That's not a secondary thing. That's a primary first level thing. Then I call my senators and my representatives and let them know, even though I know that they agree with me on the stance, but I still call them and let them know. Jesus promised his disciples there's blessings for those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Look at, look at what he says in verse 10. Blessed are, you, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For what is the righteousness sake? You got to understand what that is before you understand the blessing. You don't get the blessing if you don't, you're like, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to be righteous or what does righteousness mean? Simple terms, it means what? All right, I heard several. It simply means being right with God. Using the God standard, if you want to put it, if you want to take notes, the God, what is the God standard for? You name an issue. Let's, let's take an issue. Let's see if we can actually defend the issue this morning. Pick an issue. Somebody pick a topic today in our culture. Go ahead, just throw one out. Abortion. We already answered that one. What does God say about abortion? We're made in the image of God. Every time someone aborts a baby, what happens? They're destroying the very human that was made in the image of God. God holds that person responsible. His word speaks of that. Genesis one twenty six says, let us make man in our image, right? And did he do that? In his image he made male and female, all right? I just knocked out gender, didn't I? The gender issues, not knowing who you are, what you are. God is very clear. In the beginning, God made male and female. He made Adam and Eve. That's, is that hard for anybody? Well, I'm gender they, I'm gender X. All that does is make me giggle inside saying, man, what a, what a mixed up person. What a sinful person. And then it makes me sorrow inside saying, I need to pray more for that person. I need to pray more for my neighbor because they're messed up. And Galatians 5 is very clear. The more and more and more that someone actually dwells into the flesh, the deeper they practice that. And the Bible says they will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. You think about even the administration was happening now, funding for children to have their personal, personal uh, genitalia cut off. Can you imagine that? What does an 8 to 12-year-old boy know about anything? 
He's dumb as a rock. Matter of fact, moving on up to 17, moving on up to 21 because his frontal lobe hadn't developed until he's 21, 22 years old. That's why they'll hire them and try to recruit them in the military because crazy men will jump out of airplanes or crazy boys will. They'll fly helicopters. They'll fly at mock speed because it's fun. And nowadays, ladies are doing the same thing. What does a girl know about herself and her body? Y'all know what happens at a certain time in a girl's life and ah, trauma hits, knows nothing about life, doesn't know about being a woman. So that's why we're parents, we're guardians of the children, we're, we're those who protect. And now today, parents are paying for a doctor's recommendation because a doctor's making money on abortion. Y'all know that, right? Doctors are making money on these, injuring these children. It's child abuse. It's child abuse 101, and doctors are getting filthy rich from doing it. God stands against that. Well, let's look at persecution. We stand against it. Guess what happens? It's a woman's right to choose. No, it's not. It's God's choice. God created the clay. He's the potter. The woman is the clay. She made a decision to have a child, right? We won't talk about how you have children, but the process is pretty simple, right? Correct? And somebody's going to say, what about rape? What about incest? And they're going to go down the list of things. I can't explain everything. Listen, but I'm telling you, God is pro-life. The end, exclamation point, ever how you want to put it. Amen? God is. Look at, the, look at your notes. Jesus promised the persecuted righteous would inherit the kingdom of heaven. Does that get you excited at all? Every one of these tells you clearly, look at the Beatitudes, for there's the kingdom of heaven, for they shall be confident, for they shall inherit the earth, for they shall be filled, for they shall obtain mercy, for they shall see God, for they shall be called sons of God, for, they sh for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Does that get you excited that God has said, listen, if you're a Christian, if you endure to the end, if you walk the way I say walk, if you talk the way I say talk, if you follow the Holy Spirit's leading, there is a reward for you in the end. Yes, you'll see God. Not only will you see God, you'll be called the sons and daughters of God. And not only will you be called the sons and daughters of God, you inherit heaven. Does anybody want a piece of that? I want a little bit of that that we inherit the earth. Well, what's it talking about? We talked about, we talked about the earth, the new heaven and the new earth. What's it going to be like? Well, the Bible tells us a little bit about it. Why? Why did God just go into deep explanation about heaven? Because he knew if we knew more about it, we would, we would get saved and shoot ourselves right in the head, right? Let's get there quick. He has a work for us to do here on earth. He wants us to actually fulfill his great commission here on earth. He wants us to fulfill his great commandment. You say, what is the Great Commission? You've read it before, Matthew 28, where we're to go to all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Not only doing that, but teaching them all the words of Christ and always remembering that he's with us. That's the Great Commission. That's your job today. No matter what your title is at work, no matter if your title is retirement, no matter if your title is student, that's your job is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Then the Great Commandment is to do what? We've done it before elementary, like this is the easiest way I can know to tell anybody to do it. Love God first. Love others as you love yourself. Many people don't have a good self-image today. They say, woe is me. You spend all your time on woe is me, you'll never get to how good he is. You'll never love that neighbor if you keep looking in the mirror. I would encourage you, if you've got a bad self-image, break every mirror in your house and throw them in the dump. Don't throw your phone away. Don't look on, don't look on social media don't watch TV. Don't look at anything the world puts out and look to the scriptures. 
If you've got a bad self-image, you can fix it Sunday afternoon by 4 o'clock today. Amen? Get over yourself. The world doesn't revolve around you. You have a job to do. Get at it. Amen? That should be a big amen. You know why we didn't get a big amen? Because everybody's like, I'm fat. I'm short. I'm curly hair. I'm bald. We go down this whole list of things. Who cares? You're made in the image of God. You got the looks that God gave you. God showed all of us that he's got some sense of humor. Now look around. He made some of us look really funny. When I was younger, I used to make fun of old, fat, bald guys. And look at this. <laughs> Such is life, right? Get over who you look like or you're trying to uh, mirror, image someone, and get on for your business that God's called you specifically to do. No one else can do what you have to do in this life. You might have the same looks. You might have a twin. You might have the same gifts as the person next door to you, but only you can fulfill what God's called you to do with your personality and your giftedness, the way you were raised, your background, your culture. Only you can do what God's called you to do. And in doing that, only you can sustain the persecution that you're going to go through because it's coming. Jesus said persecution's coming to your door if you're doing the righteous thing. But you can, here's the good news, you can sustain it. Some of you will cry your way through it. Some of you will laugh your way through it. Some of you will muscle your way through it. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he'll carry you through and use your personality to get you getting on. Amen? You'll make it through it. All right. Look what he says. Jesus wants us to understand persecution. Oh, let me go back. Sorry. Jesus said the blessing will come when the world criticizes you in abusive or angrily insulting manners for his name's sake. You say, where does it say that? I looked up the definition of a revile. That's what it means. To criticize in abusive and angrily insulting manners. You ever been uh, insulted angrily, criticized angrily because of the name of Jesus? quietness in the church should have been a bunch of amen pastor let me tell you about my situation at work we're not speaking up today as christians that's why it's so quiet in the church somebody says pastor i'm not suffering persecution at all you need to check yourself adrian rogers say if you're not in collision with the devil you might be in collusion with him he talked about a train track if you're going the same way as the devil's going or you're crashing into him collusion or collision if you're not suffered any persecution whatsoever from your family, oh, mom, dad, quit telling me about Jesus. I hear that all the time. I'm sick of that. Honey, don't, I don't want to hear that again. Don't say that again in my house. Don't speak his name again at work. You must be politically correct. You must go through equality training. Anybody got that going on yet? I, I can imagine if you work at the nuclear plant, God forbid, I, I couldn't, I'd be fired the first week. God bless you. I keep protect, uh, praying for you. But if you work in a corporation today, diversity training, equality training. They want to go through all this training. Why? Because they want to put you under the world system. And our training is very clear. God says he must be number one. I will not submit to you telling me that I must submit to someone who likes to, a men who like to date men or women who like to date women. I will not submit to that. And I believe one day in Canada, we see pastors going to prison right now. Did y'all, have y'all seen the news, Calgary? They're arresting pastors at home, home church. You can't speak against homosexuality in Canada. You can't have home church because COVID rules. They're using any situation to come against the church. It's coming, and we know it's coming. Do we like it? No, it doesn't say blessed are you when you like it when you're persecuted, because Jesus knows that we won't like it. But Jesus also knows, listen, in the days are getting old, right? The love of many are waxing cold. 
We're not suffering persecution because we're not standing for Christ. We're just going along to get along, right? Just every time there's a shot fired, you just duck and weave, duck and weave. Instead of standing up and saying, stop, that's not true, that's not right, I will not concede to that. When you do that, what's going to happen? The world's going to cave on you. But when you stand up for Jesus Christ, listen, drop his name in the middle of a conversation at lunch tomorrow. Just go to work and drop his name. Either people can say, hey, man, he's my Lord and Savior too. Or they can say, oh, me, don't mention that name around here. You can talk about God all you want to. God is good. Amen, God's good. Because people like to choose their own God. Jesus is an exclusive title. Did you know that? He is the Christ, the Redeemer. Let's continue. Jesus said the blessing would come when the world criticizes you in abusive or angrily insult manners for his name's sake. Hold your spot and go over to 1 Peter. You don't have these in your notes, but I want you to write these in your notes. 1 Peter. You can race me there. Anybody want to race? 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning verse 20. 1 Peter 2, 20. Peter says, For what credit is it if, when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Meaning you cause the problem. If you get a beaten for t- causing the problem, guess what? So what? Right? Keep going. Watch what he says. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable for God. So if you're speaking a good word for the Lord Jesus Christ and you suffer abuse, he said, that's good. That's a good thing. Because he knows the Lord, he promises the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. Never to leave you, never to forsake you. God is always there. And he has scripture upon scripture. He gives us example upon example by which he protected Peter, by which he protected James and John. Now, ultimately, they lost their heads or they got hung on a cross or, you know, upside down for the name of sake of, of Christ. But through life, when he was using them on mission, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Even when they died, guess where they found themselves when they woke up? Present with the Lord. That's what Paul tells us. Here's probably the most important one. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And you'll need to go here for this. This is very important for you. This is underlined and bold and encircled in my Bible more than once. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And if you suffer persecution for the name of Jesus Christ, go here often and spend time here. Say back to yourself what Christ is saying to you. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul wrote these things down. Here's what he said. Yes, and all... Who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer, what did your Bible say? Persecution. You didn't tell me because you're not there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Do you understand it's not a if-then, it's, it's an automatic. When you become a Christian, your date of suffering begins. You have a suffering that you will suffer. But just remember, even though you will suffer, and he says you will, he says, I'm with you. You ever had a big brother or big sister that took up for you, a dad or somebody that came up on a bully? When I was in elementary school, I have to tell you the story to be truthful. It wasn't my brothers that closest to me, it was my sister. And when somebody would give me some lip or some issue in elementary school, we, they let us all out on the playground at the same time, which is a bad mistake. They put two Smiths on the playground at one time. Any boy that messed with me, my sister would knuckle sandwich him right there in the nose. And Ada would punch him. And I'd be like behind her going, <laughs> You want some more? 
see big sis, right? So my sister took up for me a lot growing up. I never feared ever on the playground of anybody because I knew she was there. How about in life, at work, at home, in, in school, wherever you might be? You guys, listen, 2022 is going to be another whirlwind. The academic year is going to be another whirlwind of the world putting their junk on the school systems, on universities, on the workplace. It's going to get worse when you stand for Jesus Christ. Listen, no persecution's coming. You might lose your job. He's there with you. Need a place to stay? We'll fill up our house first, other houses in church, and we'll open up the house for sleeping, I guess. We don't have showers, but we can always build them. Right, Derek? Somewhere? But we got, we got 63,000 square feet. If you lose your house, lose everything, at least you can eat here, sleep here, shower here if we need to, if we get to that place of persecution. Until they take the church, right? But then, as Mike read earlier in the scriptures, God walked through it with those men and those women who were persecuted. We'll keep looking back to Matthew 5. And Jesus wants us to understand persecution has great spiritual value. We become like Christ. You say, well, how do we become like Christ? Go to, you need to go here for this, John 15. And I know it's up on the screen. We probably need to just eliminate the screen from now on. I like when you use your own Bible. John 15, verse 8, because you can mark your Bible because God, you can leave footprints. I can tell which animal has been through our garden out here. The kids planted a garden. What do you think the, the majority of prints we have in the garden? Shaped like a V? Deer. Deer eating the heads out of the tomatoes. Well, you know, I can tell what animals come through the garden because of the prints. If you can't identify the prints, you don't know the animal. I want you to identify, Jesus wants you to identify the persecution before it comes. How is it going to come? Where does it come from? He gives us all these earlier warning systems. Look at this. John chapter 15, you need to read the whole chapter because it's an awesome chapter. Verse 18, let's begin. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, and this is worldly, this is where teenagers get sucked in because teenagers so much want to live on Sunday morning and they want to party Monday through Saturday like everybody else. But not only teenagers, young 20s, college age, not only young 20s and college age, but middle age. Not only middle-aged, but sometimes adults. Not only adults, but sometimes senior adults want to live one foot in the spiritual on Sunday and they want to ice skate. And this is how their whole life is through life. Just a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of church, a little bit of, but a lot of the world. And they have the secular and they have the spiritual in their life. That is a miserable, listen, go to Whiskey Road and walk down the middle of the lane. What's going to happen? Or go down Pine Log or Silver Bluff and just run down the middle lane. And start tagging cars. What's going to happen? You're going to get tagged by that car. So it is as people that live that life. You can't live in this. You can't live a spiritual life and a sinful life constantly. You can't practice those such things. If you live that way, that makes you, as the old folks you say, wishy, washy, or lukewarm. And Jesus says, "You make me want to vomit." The God Creator who made you, the one that says, "I love you." says, if you're living this lifestyle, you neither hot nor cold, you make me want to vomit. It's what he told the church of Laodicea. You make me sick. How does that make you feel that the God of the universe thinks that you make him sick? I would never want to be there. I'd want to be far from God instead of saying I belong to him, but I want to party, party while I can. This foolishness. Persecution's coming has great spiritual value. Jesus gave his disciples the truth about coming persecution because he knew it would give them opportunity to form kingdom character. Well, what does he say back up to the, in John 15? Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, 
they will also do what, church? Persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. When you preach the word of God, if a Bible preaching preacher preaches the word of God, that's a mouthful, can you believe his words? If you have issues with his commentary, that's one thing, right? That's on him. But if you have issues with the word, you have issues with whom? God. That's why it's easy to be a preacher sometimes or a teacher. You get up, I shouldn't say easy, but to, to actually just say what he says about a situation. Because you can find the word, the answer in the word of God. God's already spoken. We have an ancient text where he spoke. James tells us to count all joys we go through various trials and temptations. Let's get to the last couple of things. Jesus wants us to live the whole life seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does he want us to put first? In your life, what does Jesus want us to put first? Him. Seek you first. Does that sound like the great commandment? Love God. Sound like the great commission? Make disciples of Jesus. Does that get the picture off you and me today? that the world does not revolve around you, that you're not the center of the universe, that Jesus is, and we live our life based on that, we start everything around, hey, this is my center mass, this is my point. And from him, that's where all things go out from. Can you say that about your life today? Is that true of your life? Is Jesus the centerpiece of your life? Is he the primary thing in your life? Do you make decisions based on what Jesus says, not based on how you feel at the moment, or that's a good deal, I should pony up for that, or let's give to that organization. I was reading something today, uh, this past week, how people give more money to dog food than they do to uh, helping humans of any kind of donations. Can you imagine that? I, I don't know how, I don't, I'll run the numbers and see. I, I gotta read more about that, I need to do more research. Billions of dollars are spent on dog food and dog care in America. Did y'all know that? My wife thinks our dog's part of the family, and I quickly remind the dog when she's not there that it's not. <laughs> right? It lays right by the floor in the air conditioning, and whenever it's gone, the door dogs are made for outdoors. She's been gone a few days, and the dog's been <laughs> waiting to, he wait till my master, female master gets home, right? And he'll do something like that. He can survive me, but she, she thinks the dog's part of the family. I know some of y'all do as well. <clears throat> I won't elaborate on that anymore. Keep going. I see the looks. I, hear, I see the looks, and I feel the pressure. Last scripture I want to look at before we get out of here because there's other scriptures, but Hebrews, Hebrews is so important. Hebrews 12, Mike read from Hebrews 11, which we call the Hall of Faith, but Hebrews 12 tells us something as well. And let me just leave you with this today. This is something I want you to meditate, saturate, and something that hopefully will motiv motivate you. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, this is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, this race that's set before us has hurdles. Do you know that, right? Hurdles are the persecution of life. Hurdles are that we live in a fallen body, right? Nature, sin breaks us down, cancer happens, heart disease happens, broken things break, right? Or unbroken things break. We, we live in that body, so there's multiple facets to this race. Just know we must run the race with the keep on, keep it on power. Amen? Say it with me. Run the race with keep on, keep it on power. Come on, y'all, sleepy, I know. Let's try one more time. Say it loud. Run the race. How? 
with keep on, keep on power, with the endurance that comes from the Holy Spirit, not for me feeling like it, doing it, because you ever wake up in the morning, especially the older I get, I'm like, man, I thought I had a good night's sleep, and I get out like this, and I'm like, ugh, think I'm gonna get going, right, like a train, and I slept in a comfortable bed that night. Same thing, listen, we know what's gonna happen. Keep running, keep on, keep it on. Listen, the Holy Spirit's gonna give you the power to do it. Here do we, here's what we do. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Here's our eyes, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down to the right hand of the throne of God. Do you think they persecuted Jesus? He was persecuted unto death because that was his plan. That was his plan to die for you and for me, to take all of our sins on him, on the cross, so that we might be saved. It's amazing to think about the author and the finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus. What a precious name is his name. We, we bless his name this morning. Paul would remind us that even though the persecution of this life, we can and we must press on. Keep on keeping on. And Jesus reminds all generations a great reward awaits the faithful Christian in heaven. Go back and look at that and see. What does he say? You'll miss it if you're not careful. Verse 12, rejoice. <laughs> does that make any sense at all? Pat, oh Lord, I'm being, I'm being persecuted on every corner. My family's coming against me. And my co-workers are coming against me. Everybody, it seems, is coming against me, Lord. And remember from heaven, he's going, rejoice. Lord, that don't make any sense. You're right, it don't make any earthly sense, but it makes a whole lot of heavenly sense, amen? Come on, y'all need to do better than that because you're not living it. I already know you're not being persecuted because something's wrong with your train tracks, Right? When you are, if you practice holiness, right living, living for Jesus, speaking the good word, praying in Jesus' name. You ever hear people pray? And you were trained this way. If you, you'll pick it up if you're not careful. When you close out a prayer, Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, it will happen. But it also says, if you remain in me, that's, the, that's, the, that's, that's before that prayer. You know that, right? So you'll be thinking like Jesus thinks. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, so will it be. Listen, it's going to happen. So when I pray and I close up my prayers, in the name of Jesus, I pray. How am I asking? You say, well, Pastor, that's just something you've learned. No, I've learned it from the Scripture. I have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. And whatever prayer I mess up, the Holy Spirit is up there saying, this is what he meant to say. This is what she meant to say. This is what they're actually asking from their heart, Lord. But he says, ask what you will in my name, in Jesus' name. If you're living the righteous life, all these are categorized by that you're living a holy life first. You understand? You can't just flip a coin and ask the Lord, hey, I'd like to have that truck. I'd like to have this or that just because you're sinful and want that choice. You want to flip it. Or that car or that motorcycle or that girl or that guy. But you can pray diligently, Lord, if you, your will be done. I want you to see it very clearly. Jesus reminds all generations a great reward is in heaven. Listen, when you're persecuted, verse 12, first thing you should do is what? When, when persecution comes slamming on you, what do you do? We say it like it's right? Rejoice. It is. It's rejoice. And be exceedingly glad. Be happy about it. 
Does that make any sense on earth at all? It makes no sense at all. The natural person would look at that and say, that's foolish. Well, the Lord Jesus already told us the natural man can't understand the scriptures. But those of us that have been saved and are led by the Holy Spirit said, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do it when it comes, but I'm going to rejoice. I got that in my back pocket. So times persecution comes, I will rejoice and be exceedingly glad, Lord, if you help me. And that's all he wants from us, right, is obedience. And when that time comes, guess what he'll do? In Spartanburg, they said this way, I'm just trying to help you. Help you. Pauline, that means help you. I'll interpret it for you. So don't speak in tongues in church without an interpreter. I'll interpret. Help you. You know what it means, Mike? Help you. Thanks for it. I can't interpret my own self. It means help you. Will the Holy Spirit help you? Every single time. And finally, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets that Mike read about, Hebrews 11, who were before you. Church, let me ask you a question. Are you living righteously? Yes or no? Don't answer me. Answer the Holy Spirit between you and him and he. Are you living righteously? Have you taken the Holy Spirit somewhere this week that he shouldn't have gone? Have you read something or seen something this week that the Holy Spirit shouldn't have seen? Have you said something this week that the Holy Spirit shouldn't have heard? When we were kids, we used to sing the song. You ever sing it? Oh, be careful, little eyes, watch you. Come on, y'all never sung it? Let me teach it to you real quick. All right. Starts with a big O. Ready? You can, and if you're leading it, you get to hold the O as long as you want to. Ready? Why are y'all looking like Stand up with me. Christy, come up with me. We're about to close out service here in just a minute. Look, this is, this is a help for Christians. Why do you think we teach preschoolers and children? Because they grow up to be adults who can do this. Ready? You remember the song? All right, we're going to start with the eyes. I won't get through the whole song. Ready? But you make a big O. Ready? Oh, come on, y'all. I know some of you senior adults think you are too big for this. You're the ones that need it the most. Come on. Ready? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then it goes on to tell you, be careful, little hands, what you touch. Be careful, little uh, tongue, what you say. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little mind, what you think. And be careful, little hearts. I don't remember what heart does. All right. (laughs) Stay over. We're getting ready to close in prayer. But here's the question. Are you living a righteous life? Yes or no? Only you and God know. Let me pray for us today. And listen, we give an invitation at the end of every service. Uh, not because it's just something we do, it's because we want you to make a decision for Christ. If God has convicted you and he said in your spirit, listen, you're not doing right, get right. Church, I want to encourage you today, get right today. That's why you came to church. You came to give yourself away, but you also came to receive what the Holy Spirit might say to you. And when you receive it, just make a full conviction, Lord, I will change today because you said so. Your word says so, so therefore I will change I won't wait till tomorrow. I won't wait for somebody else to do it. I'll do it because you said so. That's what the invitation is for each week is, hey, do you want us to pray with you? Do you need to pray altar at a Baptist church? That's what these steps, there are always steps in a Baptist church. Why? So you can come and kneel 
and pray before God, forgetting that anybody else is around you. Hey, Lord, take my junk. Today, I want to take the trash out with the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you have somebody else that has need of prayer, listen, this is the time to pray. Join together. Ask God, God, do what only you can do. It's our time of invitation. It's our party invitation, if you will. Let's pray together. Father God, as we spend this time of invitation together, singing children's songs to remind us that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, in our time of need because we are being persecuted on, on every angle, it seems like today. The devil and the world system wants to come after the church of God. Help us to be bold in our faith. Help us have holy boldness that comes only from the Holy Spirit. And guidance from the Holy Scripture, commands and wisdom that's found there. Help us to rely on that for the days ahead. Lord, we need you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.